so a couple, before he was here this past week, we started, I mean, God kind of hit a spontaneous sermon series on me like the day before, and I, ne- like, I, I rarely do that unless God really is just speaking it. And he, he really was speaking it, um, and, and so we, we just launched like a, a really quick series out of nowhere called Fear Not, um, because I think a lot of us, we don't deal with our fears very often, and the good news is that the scriptures speak a lot about our fears. Like over 110 times, it tells us, do not be afraid, fear not, um, have no fear, and about 40 plus times it follows with, because I'm with you. So the very simple reason we gave a couple of weeks ago of why we don't have to fear is one, because God cares. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus. He wouldn't have uh, allowed his Holy Spirit to be present in our lives, but also because God's present. He's present. We don't have to be afraid because he's with us. And so today, I just want to kind of take a, uh, another step forward in that, that journey and uh, it's been cool for me to watch and co- to connect with, with all of you or some of you over the past couple of weeks because really since that happened, I, I literally saw in some of your lives like fear breaking off. I really did begin to see it in conversations, things that were just heavy and could just kind of feel that burden in your own life, felt that kind of breaking off in your own life. And so I've been really encouraged and excited about that. And so for those of you that that's been happening, I just want to further cement that by adding a whole other layer to this. For those of you that are still battling through some fears, and I think we all do, we'll constantly kind of have to face those and, and carry on, whether that's a fear of failure or that's a fear of death or whatever that might be, I believe that God wants to comfort us in that and that we not walk through this life in fear because if we're in love with a God who is perfect love, the John, 1 John 4 tells us that perfect love casts out fear. Cast off fear. So being in, in, in presence with him and, and in communion with him will cast that out. So we're going to take another step into that. We're going to look into 1 Samuel chapter 23. And I, it's funny, I, in the past few weeks, I've actually connected with a bunch of you and heard from you, I'm having trouble reading the Old Testament. Like I have trouble just, I'm a little bit intimidated by it. I'm a little bit scared to kind of go to the Old Testament. I don't know kind of where to start. I've had this comment probably half a dozen times in the past like two weeks. And so it's great. We just did a series called uh, in Nehemiah, and then today we're going to 1 Samuel 23. So if you have trouble with the Old Testament, let me just tell you, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel are amazing places to start because they're just super epic. Like it's stuff that movies are made of, and it really 1 Samuel just begins to chronicle this early kind of king life that Israel has, and it really chronicles the life of David the life of David, who was this kind of young whippersnapper, the smallest of his clan from this tiny little town. Anybody from small towns? Some of you? Okay, a few small towners. Young whippersnapper, smallest in his family, and they were from a small town, and he raises up from this nobody that just watched sheep in the fields up to this kind of cult hero, this national hero that people are making songs up about how handsome he is and what a beast of a warrior he is. Um, and, and so it kind of chronicles his life and in, in, in rising to, to be king of Israel, the greatest king they've ever known. That's why Jews wear that star of David. They really, they're really love David uh, because he was like the Davidic model of what they thought the Messiah would come to look like. That's why they had trouble receiving how Jews have trouble receiving what Jesus came like because he didn't show up looking like the man they thought he was going to look like. There's some, there's some similarities and things, but he's very different. He came riding on a donkey. You know, he was not super valiant. You know, he, he was born in a very humble circumstance. And so we'll continue on in that today. But I want to start in 1 Samuel because it's just this epic kind of narrative of David. And 
what's interesting is as David was rising up in kind of the ranks, people were beginning to sing songs, and, and he kind of hit kind of fame when what? He, when, he, when he killed Goliath. Like, killing a giant will get you on the news. Um, and so he, I mean, the big fish, it's always on Facebook, they kill it. And so that's David killed the big fish. And honor and shame was a big thing in their society. And, and so he had bought honor. He had brought honor to his country. So he became this national hero. And everyone loved him. And the, the only problem with that was that the, the current king, Saul, who was actually the first king of Israel, God really didn't want them to have a king. He really didn't. He's like, I just want, I want to be your king. You don't need anybody else. Just trust me. Let's walk with me. Uh, but they wanted to be like everybody else. You know, sometimes we just got to learn it the hard way. And so he's like, fine, take Saul. You can have him. But Saul was very jealous. Saul was very jealous of David as he began to rise up. People were singing songs about David and not about Saul. So his paranoia and his own fears really got him in this place where uh, he was really fearful. He was fearful for losing his kingdom. In fact, David was playing guitar. He was like the, he was like the musician in the king's palace at this point. And, and Saul takes a, a spear and throws it at David. Not once. Was it twice or three times? It just, just slipped me. But he throws the spear at him like two or three times. And um, so I, I guess he was a Seminoles fan. I guess if he's got the spear, Saul was a Seminoles fan. And, and David definitely feared the spear. So, um, and, and so they, some of you that are football fans know what I'm talking about. Other of you, some other people will explain it to you. Um, so David feared the spear, and he took off, like, after two times being in the room, and you throw a spear at me, like, I'm gone, peace out, brother. And so he went running for his life, went running for his life. Literally, he's in the, we're going to pick up here in just a second, where he's in the hills and running for his life. I don't know if you've ever run from your life. Anybody ever run for your life? Um, I did once, um, maybe twice. Once, I, I was playing football, and we lived in, a, a, like, a subdivision where there's lots of kids my age, most of them a little bit older, playing football one day, and, um, Somebody started talking smack, and I was like a real angry kid. Like, your, your pastor was like, he was the fighter in school. Like, I got suspended from school a bunch of times and everything. And so, um, and so this kid was just talking smack, and he was like two or three years older than me, but I just punched him right in his nose, like, after just some short conversation. Uh, and so really quickly, I found out who was on my side and who was on his side, and apparently everyone was on his side. And so, and they were all older than me, so I took off running, literally running for my life through the neighborhood because I was just going to get demolished by this crew of probably like 10 or 12 guys uh, that were mostly all older than me. So I go run, I'm running through the neighborhood, running for my life. I finally get in my house, close the door, unlock it real quick. And then I just sat in fear, like, I'm never going to be able to show my face in this neighborhood again. We have to move or something. Uh, there was other times I've feared for my life too. I remember uh, lying to... Um, my parents about where I was staying one night. Uh-oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. No, mom, we're all staying over there, and we played this game. And the thing is, is that all our moms were secretly working for the CIA, and they had a network <laughs> around, the around the city. My wife is now in that CIA as our kids are growing up. She's joined the clan. And they found out. And so the next day, we were doing a community service event um, out in, in Tampa, and uh, we get a call. Each of us individually, all my buddies that had made up this, you know, this elaborate lie. And um, get a, each get a call separately from our parents saying, hey, super chill. Super chill, playing it back close to the, close to the chest. Hey, um, just when you come back, uh, we're just, I just need you to meet me at Jimmy's house. Just need you to meet me at Jimmy's house. And so I get that call. My, uh, my other buddies get that call. We all get the call. And so immediately we know we've been had. Like we're in trouble. And so they all meet um, there and they're waiting for us. We pull up and we see all our parents' car and we're like, oh. And we're flipping out when we're in Tampa at this event. We've got a couple more hours. 
and we're literally making plans to run for our life. We're going to Mexico. Like, we've never been to Mexico before, but we're all going to Mexico, and like, we're just going to get in the car, and we'll figure out the border patrol when we get there. Um, there's some other times where I ran from the cops and stuff too, but we'll leave this for another day. Those are a couple of times I feel like I was running for my life. Maybe you've had something like that, but David's literally running from his life. He's out in the desert, and he's hiding in the hills, but he's not alone. He's not alone. That's what I really want to begin to unpack for us today, is what does it mean to be there for each other? Because David has someone really close to him. He has a, a, a man named Jonathan, who is, is not just a, a random guy, but Jonathan is the, the son of Saul, the guy who's seeking out to kill him. He's the guy that has some influence. He, he, he is hearing and keeping his ear to the ground about what's going on. He comes to comfort and encourage David. And I want us to grab a hold of that as we deal with these fears in each of our lives. It's not, it's not just God bringing his presence, but sometimes he brings that presence through each other, right? Because relationships are an opportunity to be an extension of God's presence and of God's character. Hear that again. Relationships are an opportunity for us to be an extension of God's presence and of his character, right? If, if, if the spirit is God, if at the very beginning the spirit hovered out, the ruah is the Hebrew word. I, I can't pronounce it like a true Hebrew. It's got a lot more spit involved. Um, but as the spirit was hovering out over the waters, if that same spirit is truly God, and, and if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that goes with us, and so we carry that presence of God. We carry the character of God as he, he leads us to walk into it. And so we're going to pick up here and begin to really understand what it means to be an extension of that for each other and cast out fears. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds, just like little holes in the hills, basically. And in the hills of the desert of Ziph, day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had, to, had come out to take his life. He's still chasing him in the woods. Like he's, it's still like me, like chasing, running from the kids. Uh, and Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. We'll come back to that. Helped him find strength. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this, speaking some truth into his life. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. So let's begin to unpack this. And what does this mean for our life? This is all well and good. It's nice that David had a guy like that. Have any of you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, have you, any of you in this house ever wished you had someone like Jonathan in your life, right, that, that will look out for you, that really has your back, that will really, because what, we all, how many of you guys have trust issues? Don't raise your hand. You ain't got to be honest. Um, how many of you have trust? We, so many of us do. We live in a world where we don't trust anybody. We don't trust the school system. We don't trust the government. We don't trust people sitting in church next to us. We don't trust people who are watching our kids. If when we really get down to it, we really don't trust people. We've got trust issues. And, and so I, but God wants to begin to, to put some relationships in our life. I truly believe it. That will be an extension of his presence, an extension of his character in our life. And so let's begin to unpack this. And I think the first place that I want to kind of tap the brakes and let us unpack is that that. Jonathan helped David find strength in God. We've all been there before when someone we know is going through a difficult time ask us for advice. Maybe you've never had that before. Most people have seen something like that happen. They ask us. And usually our response is one or two things. We're usually encouraging them or having them 
be encouraged by the fact that we're here for them. So it's kind of one or two ways. One is that, hey, you can do this. You're going to make it. You can do this. And it's really about kind of pumping them up to realize that they can do this. The other side of that is where we almost, they become dependent on us. And every time they have a need, they run to us, which isn't a healthy situation over the long haul. But where it's like, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to be strong with you. You know, and we kind of take these things, but really as believers, as brothers and uh, sisters in Christ, our our role and what what we should be doing is pointing each other to God. And this became very real for me a few months back because I was really struggling emotionally. Uh, I know I always look like I have it together, but sometimes I'm a complete mess. Shocker. Um, Just like you are sometimes, right? Are you guys just a complete mess sometimes? Okay, good to know, because I thought you guys were, nobody was going to say anything, it was going to be crickets, and I was going to feel really lonely. Um, no, but I was struggling through some things emotionally um, a couple months back, and I just was reaching out to people, and was, they were kind of saying some things to me that I, all, I, I knew were true, and things I'd been saying to myself, and things I believed. And it was things that I could preach, but I was having trouble believing in the moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, I know it, I could preach a sermon just as good as any pastor, but, like, I just can't walk in it. It just hurts really bad to kind of wrestle with these things. And I reached out to several people, leaders in the church, um, friends uh, outside of the church. And I was just getting all this stuff back. And the more I heard, the more I just got angry. Because before, you, we, we usually reach out to other people. We're, we try to encourage ourselves. We try to remind ourselves. And then it's only when it's really bad that we start telling other people and trying to get encouragement there, Right. And so I remembered this verse in 1 Samuel, actually just a few chapters after this, uh, seven chapters after this, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, in which I remembered in the King James it was translated that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Has anybody ever heard this? David encouraged himself. So I was trying, I was like trying to pump myself up. I was like looking at myself in the mirror, like, oh, you can do this. Like, encu- I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. I'm just trying to like do my best. And I, I remember telling someone that I was talking to, I'm like, I'm just sick of encouraging myself. Like, I'm just sick of picking myself back up. I mean, I'm sick of doing that. And I was just kind of over it. But then I went back and I began to look at this text. This 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. And, and that David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And so as I saw in a different translation... I began to look at the, the Hebrew translation. It basically says David. The Hebrew language is really different. But it says David, and then it uses the word chazak, which means it's where they get the encourage, but it means to build in, to build up, to, um, to strengthen, to repair, to fortify, to take hold of, something like that. So David, chazak, um, Jehovah Elohim. That's the whole sentence of David found strength in the Lord. That's how that's translated. So Jehovah, meaning the one true God, the one true God that we serve. And then Elohim is the same Hebrew that Jesus mutters out on the cross when he says, Elohim, Elohim, why have you forsaken me? It's a very personal sense of like, you're just not that God, but you are, you're my God. My God, that's why it's translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I began to think about that and how I was processing, trying to encourage myself trying to let other people be dependent. I'm here with you, or saying, you can do this. And it began to paint this super clear for me that I was not to find strength in myself, and you weren't to find strength in me, and you weren't to find strength in yourself, but I was to find strength in Elohim, the one true God who is more than able and capable in any circumstances, and that he's present with me 
in that. And so just to kind of wrap up this first point, I, I think for us, like we've got to know when, when people are coming to us or, or God gives us those friendships and it just happens, you know, where we have an opportunity to, to speak something and it should be always pointing to God. And I think we have to be really careful because some of you have been in these situations before where people become dependent on you. Like they become completely dependent on you. You become like their little pseudo God because you're all of their spiritual advice and you're not pointing them to Jesus. And sometimes we're afraid of what that, that, that's going to look like, but we've got to do that if we're going to help be healthy and be a part of what God's doing. And that's exactly what Jonathan does. He helped David not find strength in himself. Not find, because at the end of the day, we look at that mirror and you're like, I'm sick of encouraging myself. I can't find it anymore. I need to go to something that's more powerful, that's stronger, that has a deeper well than what I've got because mine's empty. And so he p- helps him to find strength in God. And so we've got to do the same in our relationships. That's how we can be an extension of God's character and of his presence. And so let's continue. Uh, that was verse 16 where it really talks about finding strength in God. And what's it, what does he say right after that? Don't be afraid. In our relationships with one another, we not only need to point people to Jesus, but God gives us these opportunities to speak life into people. And I just wonder how many times in this room, if we were to tally them up in each one of our lives, God presents a great opportunity, but fear in our own life will not allow us to speak the life that needs to be spoken into that person. That is in you, with the presence of God in you, that spirit, that's in you, and, and we, we're just afraid to let it out. What if they think this? What if, we got all these what-if scenarios. When I was in fifth grade, my teacher called me the what-if boy because I had what-ifs about everything. And now my son doesn't. It drives me nuts. Like, because I said so. What if this? What if? No, no. Just run with me. So we have all these what-if scenarios, but God wants to use us. And so we've got to learn to speak life into people. Look what Proverbs 18.21 says. The tongue has the power of life and death. And, and check out this. We remember this first part. Check out the second part. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who love it will eat its fruit. If you're pouring out death, if, that, if, to- if death is coming out of your tongue, you're going to eat its fruit. Enjoy it. If life is coming out of the tongue, guess what? You're going to get to enjoy its fruit. You're going to live on that fruit. You're going to love it. Um, and so we have a choice every day. The power of life and death is, is in the tongue, as we've heard that before. And, and some of you live in your homes in, in, in areas uh, or certain people in your house, house, and all they do is speak death. Some of you are in your workplaces, all, you're surrounded by people, and all they do, it, it's, it's all death. It's all speaking death. And, and you're just trying to hang on, encourage yourself in the Lord, and speak some life in that. And sometimes it's really difficult because we live in a really dark world, and we work in really dark places, and some of the homes we come from are really dark. But God wants to breathe life into those homes and those workplaces, and he wants to use you. And so we wait for those God-given opportunities to speak that life. It's I'm not one of those guys you got to speak it every time and, and pound it like on the cor- street corner. But I'm one that says be always attuned to what the Lord's speaking at any time, whether you're in a service or whether you're in a meeting somewhere, and just let the Lord use you. Let uh, that, that life come forth because it makes a difference. And we don't even realize in our homes right now, for some of you that have kids in the room, <clears throat> it's having an impact on your kids. It's having an impact on kids. I realized this with my own son, Beckett, and now with our second one, Camden. 
Beckett, when he was young, he was super scared of everything. He's not anymore, but I think partially, it might have been because he was growing up, but at first, I was just feeding all of those fears. I mean, I was just placing them there. I was running and like, you know, catching him about everything and just like freaking out about everything. I just was. I mean, I was a new dad, and I was just trying to figure it out, and I was scared about everything. And so I just saw him in his person. I get more and more timid and scared until he was terrified of so many things. And, and I found it when I began to notice that this impact, this, it could be possible that I'm placing some of these fears in him, that I began to really pull back. And I, I've really seen him come out of a shell. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's personalities just change, whatever. But in me and myself, I know that I had some impact on that. And now with our second, again, may have personality, maybe whatever. But with our second one, he, he's got no fears. And so he needs to have some healthy ones, like the fear of God and fear of dad. When I tell you to do something, he does not have that fear yet, so I'm working on that. He, he gives you a stink eye like no other. Um, it is. It is nasty. I probably gave the same one to my mom. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians also says this. Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another. And build each other up, just as, in fact, you're doing Many of you are doing this. Many of you have done that to me. Many of you, I've seen you do that to one another in this house, and you're doing that. But there is a building up that happens when we speak that life, that we give something for someone to, to cling on to. And it's not some great mystical quote. It's just speaking what God shares for you to speak. It's just being an extension of that presence, being an extension of the truth of God. And so, you know, again, a beautiful thing that comes out of just knowing the Lord's word is that there's so much truth to pull from, right? Sometimes we have trouble, like, sharing any life and truth because we don't have that in our own life, you know? And, and so we've got to go um, to the scriptures to allow us to, to uh, have something to grab from, right? And speak that truth in people's lives. So encourage one another. I wonder just what this room would begin to feel different. Like, I wonder if your home would begin to look a little different if you begin to be really conscious about the words that are coming out of your mouth. What was the movie? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Do you guys remember that movie? What was that? Was that Major Pain way back in the day? Huh? Rush Hour. Rush Hour, yeah, Rush Hour. Chris Tucker, way back in the day. He loves him some Jesus. Um, <laughs> he does. Um, I think he's a pastor now or something. Um, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. But we've got to listen to the words that are coming out of our mouth. And we, we may be having an impact, positively or negatively, in our own homes um, or in our workplaces and those around us. And, and there's a real opportunity to build each other up and encourage one another. And so we don't want to miss that opportunity. And that's what Jonathan does here. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. Go back to the verse real quick, verse 17. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. Um, he says, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. He's just affirming his calling and what God's going to do in his life. He's just speaking forth the truth in his life. Even my uh, father Saul and knows this. Let's go to the, thing, the third thing um, today, and we'll begin to, to bring this down for a landing. I think the third thing that we see here is that as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we have each other, that we are there to protect each other's back. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and let me show you something. You've probably read this if you grew up in a Sunday school or something like that. You didn't grow up in a Sunday school, but you grew up going to Sunday school. That'd be weird. Um, and it says this, and it's talking about the armor of God. And I think sometimes if you've heard this before, you grew up around church, this did kind of feel like something you'd throw up on like a little storyboard, right? And it just kind of sounded good. It made a cute little thing for kids to learn. Uh, but then sometimes as adults, we kind of forget and don't go back to this. 
And it's really powerful, and I want to point something out that you might have never noticed before. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Again, strength isn't in ourself, it's in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against your rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist so your pants won't fall down and you'll be revealed and ashamed. And honestly, he'll keep up your pants so you, you won't be ashamed when you realize what you thought was truth is not truth when that day comes. Uh, with the breastplate of righteousness, it covers up all the vital organs uh, in our body. It covers our heart, not our own righteousness that are filthy rags, but in the righteousness that Jesus gives us. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, ready to launch on any opportunity and have peace and speak the gospel into people's lives, speak that life. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which uh, you can e- extinguish all the flaming arrows. It doesn't just deflect them, it extinguishes them. Uh, verse 17 Take the helmet of salvation. We feel like we're going ready to battle here. And the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for our Lord's people. You see this? Like the prayer, like be alert, be ready for those moments. Uh, Be alert, always be praying for the Lord's people. Honestly, I've been in the church a long time. I've walked with the Lord uh, for a decent part of my life, and um, I was trying to remember how long it was, and I'm like, I can't deal with math right now. Um, <laughs> so anybody else have trouble doing math on the fly? Um, and I remember it, it, it took much later in my walk with the Lord that I really began to care about people and began to actually pray for people. I thought that was something um, that just like leaders did. I thought that was something the pastor did. I thought that was something that, that um, you know, uh, those that are really mature in the faith, that have been a guy like 30 years, can pray for one. Like, I did. Like, not even out loud. I'm just talking about it in my head. Like, I, I just never was scared, didn't know how. Like, what do we do? And so I'm going to make you do that later. So go ahead and get nervous about that. Um, and, and Paul says this, Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I, may, I will fearlessly Make known the mystery of the gospel. I love this idea of making known a mystery. Like, sometimes we feel like we got to give people all the answers, and you're just going to end up looking like a fool because you don't have all the answers. It's much easier to say, I don't have all the answers, but I know who does. It's so much easier to do that, so just take all the pressure of being like this demigod who's going to share all of the life. No, you just got to find strength in the Lord, speak the truth, and pray that I may declare fearlessly that, um, that, that mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that we're called to go out um, and pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Um, there's one giant thing missing from this in us going out to battle, right? That sounds kind of funny sometimes, but going out in our lives, there's something missing from that. Our back, our back is not protected. The breastplate just went right here, and it just kind of was like some ropes that would just cover this area. In battle, they would be concerned. They had each other. That's, who, that's how our back stayed protected. And so how does this play for us? Well, I think in this, we have to know that we have to always look out for each other and protect one another. And we don't realize how many times in your own home, in your own family, 
You're not even looking out for the people in your own family, let alone people at work, let alone people at church. Come on, be honest. Like sometimes we're just running down our sister to our mom behind their back. Come on, come on, let's get real for a minute. Like we do, and we just do, and we constantly, we're not even protecting anybody's back. Talking crap about the pastor. I'm just kidding. This ain't that. that, that. Um, no, but talking about, we'll just talk about people. We just will. There'll be that gossip. And what we're really supposed to be doing is guarding each other's back. Let me end you with one, one last verse. I've subpointed you to death today with all these subverses. But 1 Corinthians 13, I teach it every time I do a, any kind of marriage thing, anytime a pre marriage counseling or marriage counseling, I bring up this verse because it's so powerful. When we read 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, we go through the whole deal and we miss verse 7. And it's one of the most powerful verses. It's powerful in your family. It's powerful in our church. It's powerful at your workplace. It always protects. It always trusts. Like when we talk about our trust issues, we talk about how sometimes we're doing it. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and always perseveres. Um. I'm glad for David that he had someone in that time that loved him with like a godly love. It was a covenant. It was not a contract where it was between me, you, and the government. It was a covenant. That Covenants are between me, you, and God, or between me and God. That's what covenants are. And he had this covenant because he had this real love for another human being. Um, and not just where we had a legal document that signed it, and this is something that if you've been married for a long time in this house, I pray that through this one verse right here, you'd walk away knowing how to better love your spouse today, and I mean that honestly, that you'd walk away knowing that we, I've got to protect them, I'm not going to run them down to my girlfriends or my boyfriends, okay? Always trust, I've got to work through my issues, you know? I'm having trouble trusting, but if we're going to have these kind of godly covenants, people in our life that we can pour into, that will pour into us, then we've got to trust and hope. We sang about hope earlier. What a joy it is to have hope, and it always perseveres. And so, I don't know where you're at in this place. I don't know if you're battling some real tough fears, um, fears of what the future holds, Fears for the path your kids are heading down. Uh, Fear that you're going to relapse. Fear for your financial future. I mean, you name it, there's plenty of them out there to have. I don't know where you're at, but I know that, first of all, God wants you to know that his presence will cast out that fear. The perfect love of God will cast out that fear. So just pursue Jesus, first and foremost. And then secondly, today, what I want to communicate to you is that you have a great opportunity. And if you're a believer in this house who knows and loves Jesus and claim to be a follower of Jesus, you not only have an opportunity, you have a responsibility to protect, to speak life into each other, to encourage and build each other up, to speak life and not death. And very simply, just to point each other to God. Sometimes we just get trucking. It's going to be me and Jesus. We're going to make it to the end. And that's just not the way the armor of God's designed. I mean, read anywhere in the New Testament when it talks about the body of Christ. Basically saying, you can't do it by yourself. You're not called to do it by yourself. 
And so when you feel, when you feel weak, good, because you are. When you feel like you're not enough, good, because you are. You're not enough. He is, and he's brought each other around us. The body is incomplete without you, and your body is incomplete without everyone else. And so today, I want us just to celebrate the goodness of God that invites us not just to, in relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but into communion with family and with the body. And so what I want to do today, just to make some of you really uncomfortable, I'm just kidding, um, is I want to invite, I want to invite everyone just in this place. And I want, us to, I want us to feel the closeness. And if it's a little hot and icky for you, you can kind of stand on the back and nobody's going to judge you, for real. But I would love for you just to come. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray together today in this area. Will you come? Again, if you're claustrophobic, you can just get on the back. Yeah, just, just come on closer. Come on closer, if you will. Let everybody down here. You don't have to hold hands. If your hands get sweaty like mine, it's all good. You guys are good with it. I love it. Um, I, I want us to have a true kind of understanding that God wants to use you to speak life into the people around you. And what I'm about to ask you to do, you may have no kind of framework in which to do it, but that's okay, okay? Prayer is just talking to God, right? It's real simple. Don't make it any more complicated than it is. And so I, I want you to talk to the Lord and just speak life into the people around you. Speak it to the Lord. Speak it into your son and daughter. Speak it into your spouse. Speak it into the random stranger that you're holding hands with, whatever. Just speak life. Can we pray together and can we do that today? God, I thank you for these people. God, I just pray right now that in this house there would just be a wave of encouragement. There would be a wave of your presence and of your spirit that we feel built up and encouraged. God, that we awaken ourselves to a bigger vision of our life. We awaken ourselves to a bigger perspective, God, that you have connected us together with one another today for a time like this, for a season like this, in a place like this. Come on, just speak life in those people around you. God, I pray that our community as a whole would be one giant arrow that points to Jesus. One giant spirit-filled arrow that points to the goodness of a God who loves his people. And who loves those that are far from him. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the unrighteous. God, I pray that today that we would just awaken our senses to listen and be ready to obey and encourage and speak life. God, I pray in this moment right now, in this week, in the coming months, God, that you are just connecting godly covenants and relationships. God, that when times get tough, God, there's someone to speak life back into us be an extension of your character, be an extension of your presence when I feel far from you. Remind us that you're close, God. I pray in this closeness that we feel now, we would feel the spiritual closeness, God. And just...